Good evening, welcome to the latest episode of the Magicast, episode 106. Um, we're doing something a bit different tonight. This episode is going to be in two parts. The first part is going to be between myself and Imran. How are you, Imran? Oh, very good. <laughs> for once, we can say that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it was a good evening for Roma tonight. Uh, Roma defeated Calorie 2-1 in Sardinia. Uh, so me and Imran are going to cover tonight's game. And Sam, with a guest, is going to segue into part into the part two. He will be with Matt Sanginello, and them two will be previewing Roma Milan at the weekend. Massive game to uh, on Sunday evening. Um, so Imran, it was a bit of a um, could have been a potential banana skin tonight against a, a calorie side that are really struggling at the moment and with the results that went against them over the last two days they were rock bottom with going into kickoff um so roma won two one sketchy first half second half roma reacted well after going one nil down what was your overall thought overall thoughts about the performance I think the first half reminded me of the game against Salernitana. We yes. had we had the possession, but we struggled to create because they were playing very defensively. Every player behind the ball, and let's just say, but very deep, and it was difficult to create chances. Um, and then, through a mistake, they scored the opener, and <laughs> soon after, Vinia was taken off. And, um, yeah, Felix was put on Afenagian, uh, youth player from Ghana who came to Roma in January, so he hasn't been there, or oh, he's been there for almost a year, mm. but Primavera player and promising player, but that, <laughs> at that moment, it feels like, it felt like a complete shithousery <laughs> from Mourinho, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, because we were playing without a left back, but, uh, I have to hand it to him. He got it right because yeah. when because when we got that extra man up front, who was actually he was um, he was aggressive. He was uh, putting pressure on Cagliari whenever they had the the ball. So so that was good. That was what we needed. But we completely dominated after that. Uh, we took complete control of the game uh, possession. We we missed some. I mean, ridiculously good chances, and uh, uh, and after that we scored equalizer, and then the wonderful, wonderful free kick from uh, from Pellegrini. Uh, so yeah, fully deserved point, uh, three points in the end. I could have done it without uh, silly mistake, but I think again, uh, great reaction uh, from Mourinho from the players. And um, a fully deserved victory. Did you ever expect that Stefan Al-Sharari and Nicolas Zaniola were, were playing as wing-backs, but attacking wing-backs pushed up really high up on the pitch in the second half, and it really caused the Calgary defenders a lot of problems. Um, Zaniolo gave a, it was just outstanding, and he gave the Greek left-back, who I will botch his name, an absolute horrible time, and 
caused yeah, the foul I mean, for for the for the for the winner. Yeah. You mean Likoyanis? Likoyanis, yeah, that's the one. I was going to watch his name. And when um, Saniolo got substituted, that's probably the closest he came to to man-marking him when he was trying to yeah. escort him off the pitch. Yeah, I mean, one-on-one, Zaniolo was... Um, I mean, he, it was too easy for him. Uh, he, wa- he was physically stronger, and uh, one-on-one, he was always a step ahead of him. Um, so, so yeah, Zaniolo played well, but I think um, El Sharawi, uh, when uh, when Vina was taken off, it was uh, it was it, it was a bigger responsibility for him to cover defensively. I think he did a good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, you saw that uh, Cagliari tried to try to play on that side every time they got the ball, but um, we we managed to close down. Very good, and that was that was very pleasing to see. Yeah, it was. Um, I th- I was really impressed with Al Sharari when he came on because he did a really good defensive job, especially in the last five or six minutes, including an added time where he won the foul off. Was it Keita Balde when defending the ball in his yeah. own in his own right back area? And yeah, it was a very good performance on his birthday, on his twenty ninth birthday. Um, ah, yeah, true. Uh, it's a good performance from the Pharaoh. To be honest, he's actually done all right in the last couple of games. I thought when he came on on Sunday, he did pretty well. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I was a bit worried last season, but this season he has been good. Worked really hard, got himself in shape, had a good preseason. Um, so I'm yeah, happy with his contribution. Was you um, like me impressed with Mourinho's flexibility in his tactical setup? So he went four two three one and then went to a back three, and as we both said, it was Zaniolo and Al Sharari as wing backs, and then he he went back to a four, then he went to a five again when Kumbula came on. It was just a bit of man management trying to see out the game. Was you impressed with his um, tactical setup? Uh, well, Impressed? Well, I would expect someone who gets paid seven for Of course, yes, yes, it. that much but amount I, of money, I, yeah. Yeah, with his experience and everything, but I think he did the right things. But what I was above all impressed by, and which I didn't, which I wouldn't expect the team to do, was the reaction they they made after the game. And I, I think probably the substitution uh, sent a strong signal too. Mm. Uh, Still, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, fair. I mean, fair play to Felix. You know, he got the chance. He played. He was all right. He was lively, but nearly scored. Much. Nearly scored. Yeah. Nearly scored. Yeah, it's clear. Still have. You still have to wonder. um, uh, Shomorodov, Carlos Perez. That was my next question. How would you reckon they felt when they saw that? When they saw his substitution. Not good. Yeah. But I think, uh, again, yeah, Mourinho is trying to send a signal here uh, by sending him on. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if it was the right thing to do, but uh, at that time, at least when it happened, because it felt like he just completely, you know, was throwing away the game. But you know, hats off to him. He got it right because the team responded in the perfect way. He started playing better. Creating chances and um, and ultimately won the game. Um, just how crucial was Rui Patricio tonight? Um, the save at one nil 
from Pavoletti and then what was it? Uh, 100, maybe 120 seconds later, it was 1-0. And then he came out and commanded his area really well right in the end when Jao Pedro was looking for a penalty. How how yeah. important do you reckon Rui Patricia was tonight? Very important. Um, Carl, very good command of his area. You know, uh, transmits a very positive uh, energy to his players and sense of calm. And he did all of that. And you see, you can see his experience. He's an experienced goalkeeper. And in a game like today, you saw what it's really worth. And this is something we've been lacking in previous seasons. So very happy with his uh, performance and really happy to have a goalkeeper of his caliber, experience, quality Yeah, in the goal. Helps a lot. Helps a lot, really. It does. I, did, I had this sense of feeling that if this game was last season, Roma would have lost it like they did in April in Sardinia when Roma just, just, they just collapsed like, a, like the South African cricket team. Or the West Indies <laughs> cricket team <laughs> just like collapsed and the cards all folded. But I think you see, this season you see this real fight and this grit from the players. I think Mourinho's installed where they fight for everything, even just a contested foul. You can see the players surrounding the referee. We've got that this season. I think under different coaches in the last couple of years, you wouldn't want to see that. Yeah, and, and what was even more impressive was that. Um, I mean, I know we are always nervous that we will concede a goal because we know how Roma like. But if you if you notice, I mean, from the moment we scored and all the long balls that Kaller played into the box, I mean, we won every single yes. challenge. Uh, and that was that was entirely down to the t- determination, um, the passion, the adrenaline. Uh, and if you use it the right way, all these characteristics, skills, this is the result. Uh, so we saw it today, and uh, that was something I also wanted to highlight because we have seen, if you remember the Sassuolo game, even even Sassuolo at the end there, uh, just after El Sharawi's uh, 2-1 goal. Skamaka. Try. Yeah, I mean, we yeah we conceded that um, chance, uh, which was luckily offside. But we, but today was different. Today we won every challenge, and that was uh, I think that's one of them things that Mourinho has worked on, and it shows result today. Yeah, it was um it was crucial because Roma have been what would you say sketchy, a bit poor since the international break. So yeah. the, the loss at Juventus, the loss in Europe, the draw actually, which was a spirited and um, a good fight back against Napoli and tonight where at times it could have gone a different way, but they got the win and they fought really, really hard. It's got to give the side a bit of confidence going into Sunday. Yeah, definitely. Um, especially when you turn a go- game around like that, uh, going f- from behind, it does it does something. I mean, within the dressing room, uh, going into the next game with positive energy, having turned the game around, uh, finally getting a sense of feeling that things are going in the right direction again. Uh, so the perfect, the perfect. Uh, 
way to uh, to go into Sunday's game. It would have been worse. Imagine losing one nil today and then going into that would have felt like first of all it would have been a lot of pressure on Mourinho. Yes. It would have been a lot of talk about all the players that were sent to the stands. It would have been, you know, the fourth defeat in Serie A this season. Uh, and there would have, there would have been a lot of talk about, was it the right appointment? You know, he's getting paid so much and he's uh, just being very destructive. Uh, so it could have been, a, he could have been under a huge pressure. I don't think that it would have made too much of a difference to him because he's used to it. He, he has been in, you know, far the more complicated environments than Roma. I mean, with all due respect, Roma is a very difficult uh, team to manage, but he has been in bigger clubs. He's been, you know, uh, Real Madrid, Chelsea twice, Manchester United. Uh, so, uh, could have, that could have been, uh, a situation that we easily could have ended up in, but luckily, instead we go into that game uh, with a much better, uh, with a much better preparation. Yeah, against the Milan side, I watched the game yesterday against Torino. To be honest, Torino were the better side, but Milan eat eat out the win. Um, Olivier Giroud was fantastic. Um, even at 35, oh. I think he's adapted so well to Serie A, and then Slatan yeah. came on and. I think he got like eight or nine minutes at the end, but Milan were quite flat. Um, I'm really interested to see what happens on Sunday. I'm really intrigued to see if Jose starts the same 11 that he's done in the last two games. I will think that people will be calling for maybe a, a couple of changes, maybe Al Sharari and for Mkhitaryan because he hasn't yeah. played well in the last couple of games. Just wonder if you think he will start the same 11 or do you think it's just maybe one or two changes? I, w- I would like to. Do, I would do just as you say, El Sharawi instead of Mkhitaryan. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, we don't have any alternatives for Tammy because he, I'm starting to get a bit worried because he. Lo- I felt that he looked unsettled today, both tactically and mentally. Um, uh, so it will be, and he has two Serie A goals in ten games. So he, it's a. I know it's difficult in the beginning, Serie A is in early, and we've gone through a difficult period. But he needs to start delivering, and considering all the money we paid for him. So, but we and yeah, Shimurado always looks like I don't know what he has done, but he looks like he's he's out of action, and he doesn't seem to be on good terms. With Mourinho, although uh, that's not the case, but it, it would look like that considering how little he's, his little chances he has gotten. I agree. Recently. Yeah, I agree on both points. Um, I do feel that Tammy will take a little bit longer to adjust to Serie A, as you said. I think he may have a season like Osherman had last season, where it took him a little bit time to acclimatise to Italian football and then hit the ground running in the second half of the season and just look what he's doing this season so far. And with Aldor, I think he will probably be given a run out in the Conference League next Thursday. Do you think so? Yeah, I think I think he'll be given a run out. Or, or do you think Jose will start his strongest team then? 
He said that last time when he lost. I think he really wants a revenge. Oh yeah, because it's, <laughs> it's, it's really personal for him. So yeah, that might be a possibility. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. So I think that's probably one change that we can see. Yeah, so El Shawari and for uh, McTarney looks a little bit oh, looks a bit flat. Looks maybe. Um, I want I want to say jaded because I don't know if he's played a lot of football this season so far. Um, but yeah, he just doesn't seem up for it. The last two games probably seen that, where he actually didn't play well against Bodo either when he when he came on. So yeah, he hasn't really started. The he last, looks out of touch. Yeah, I don't know. He, he, yeah, I don't know what to say, but he he just looks out of touch. Yeah, um, so Imran, that was Calgary 1, Roma 2. Roma's second away win of the season, the first since August, and the first since uh, the Empoli game before the international break, and back in the top four after 10 games. So we're back on track, back on track. <laughs> um, and um, the, the run of games ends tomorrow when Napoli play Bologna and Napoli could go back top of the league because AC Milan look very good this season. Both them and Napoli look quite good. Uh, Imran, thank you for joining me on this Wednesday evening talking about a, a really gritty 2-1 away win in Sardinia. Thank you. Now, we're always happy to uh, have you on. Um, both our cricket teams have done really well in the ICC World 20s. So this, we, we've, we've had a good couple of days. Um, guys, thank you for joining. We're, this is the first part of the podcast. Uh, I will segue into the second part, part Sorry, where Sam will be previewing Roma versus AC Milan with Matt Sanginello. Forza Roma. Ciao. Ciao. All right, everybody, Matt Santangelo from the State of Play pod joins us next to discuss Roma Milan for Serie A match day 11 this weekend. Matt, thank you for being on with us. Hey, it's a pleasure. I'm, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to this conversation, and I'm sure those listening will enjoy it as well. Before we get, jump right into Milan and Roma and everything going on this weekend, I wanted to ask a little bit about you. How long have you been a Milan fan and a Serie A fan overall? And after that, tell us a little bit about your work and we, where we can find you. Sure. So I've been a Milan fan, I'd probably say, for about 15 to 16 years. Um, I know everyone kind of picks up the sport or picks up um, you know, different sports in general at different times in their life. Sometimes it's kind of grandfathered in. You're very young and you get handed a jersey and the rest is history right you know everyone has their own story which which makes this really unique but i would probably say about 15 to 16 years i've been i've been following milan um, obviously i started there and then i kind of expanded more into um you know Serie A, time football and then just wider range football in general across europe south america major league soccer all that stuff so um that's where my kind of fandom started i'm a huge kaka fan that was one of the first players um i started watching and between him, Maldini, Nesto, all those guys of those prime years, that's where it really blossomed to something bigger and what it is now. But um, on the working side, I've been writing. You, I guess you could call me a, a pseudo-journalist, pseudo-writer. I kind of do a bunch of different things, content creator. Um, I know that, that that word gets thrown around a lot these days. But um, I, I've been, I would say, writing for about seven to eight years, I would say. When I first started, I was predominantly on Twitter. And then I had so much 
so many opinions, thoughts, and, and things to get out regarding Milan that I created my own dedicated Milan Twitter account with my brother at AC Milan Bros. It's grown to be over 13,000 followers. And from there, I started my own blog. And then I just started getting more people contacting me to write for their sites. And from that point forward, I've been published in The Guardian Sports, um, S. Roma's English account, which has obviously been very massive over the past handful of years. I've done uh, you know, more, a lot of digital work, yes, but also a lot of written work being published in these football times. This AC Milan magazine, Scouted Football. Um, I'm, I'm all over the place. I've been on Sirius XM. I've been on CNN Sport in, in, in London. So I'm, anywhere there's football to be discussed and to be written about, there's a good chance you may find me there. That is amazing stuff. That is phenomenal stuff. I, can, I see here for Football Italia is another place that you write for, right? So it's yeah, a lot of people can find content nowadays, but to find a good writer, that's not easy. So congr- that's great. That's phenomenal stuff, Matt. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And for, for any information regarding that, obviously the best place to find me and what I'm working on is at Matt underscore Santangelo. Anything as far as podcast appearances, something like this, whatever we're having here, um, all that stuff is really shared on my, on my Twitter account. That's awesome. And then um, you tell me you've been a, a Milan fan for 15 or so years, right? So you went from Maldini and Kaká to the disaster of the last decade. How, tell us, before we jump into the current Milan, tell us how that was about long 10 years for you, right? It was, you know, and I think it's, it's, it's what makes it unique. Um, this, the, this, I guess, my journey as a Milan fan and, you know, what, we've, what I've experienced is that, you know, you taste what it feels like to be at the top of the sport, right? You know, with the, the, the 2007 Champions League triumph, obviously, you know, I don't want to talk about what happened in 2005, but 2003 over Juventus and penalties. So there's been a lot of highs, right, that you I've experienced as a Milan fan. But then you go through the disastrous, um, you know, banter era is what it's been called over the past decade or so, up until pretty much last year. And you know, that's something that's really different for a lot of people, because from what I can see on Twitter, um, which is where we're kind of, you know, um, you know, interacting with most people nowadays in the culture sphere is there's a lot of younger fans. Right. It's not just Milan fans, Roma fans, Napoli fans, Juve fans. And a lot of them are they haven't experienced like Milan at their highest. Right. Like winning titles, being a real threat in Europe, a team that's always in title contention. So that's what I always make. That, that's what always makes it more unique when I'm having that. Right. If you're a Milan, Milan fan, fan, like 25 and under, let's say, you haven't seen the great Milan, right? Yeah, I mean, you've you've heard, right? You've heard stories. You know, you've probably you know, watched videos, and those things kind of make it a little bit more frustrating, right? Because you know how good and rich Milan's history is, and how they have a big winning culture, but you haven't been able to taste it, right? It's not tangible, right? You can't really so much feel it. Right. You know, it's there, but you can't feel it. And that's what, you know, again, makes it so unique to follow this club through through the years I followed. Absolutely. And what changed last year before we jump into the current meal? And what changed last year? Because it feels like maybe before the pandemic, but really after the pandemic, this just team you kind of like woke up. Right. Yeah. I mean, it really since I mean, you can. You can really point to the arrival of Zlatan Ibrahimovic, right? Because I think at that point in time, you know, Stefano Pioli was a couple months into the job. Uh, Marco Giampaolo was the experiment was horrendous. He only lasted seven or eight matches. They brought in Pioli, and there was the Pioli out, and people were thinking, 
another manager we're going to go through. Right. When is this going to end? Right. There was, there really was no end in sight. Ibrahimovic comes in. A lot of the players start really playing well, like Hakan Kessi, you know, some of the, some of the younger players in this the squad that we know have potential and ability. But he immediately made everybody it. better. Right. Right. There was that sort of aura around Lakan and everyone seemed to elevate their game around him. Right. I'm not saying he was the main guy, but he started scoring goals and, a lot of people have pointed to that um, that game against Inter where they went ahead 2-0. They, they blew the lead. But the fact that you can go ahead against your rival, that's some, not something that Milan fans have seen in, in years. Inter have kind of had our number for the most part. So there have been little turning points prior to the pandemic that kind of gave you the inclination that Milan were potentially turning the corner. And then last year was... A fantastic start, you know. Obviously, the Winter Champions. A lot of the younger players, Rafael Leao, Teo Hernandez, Ismael Benacer. A lot of these guys really took their game to new heights, and they started to believe. Right? I think that was something that Zlatan Ibrahimovic was so adamant on in instilling in this group was, you know, he's always been a part of winning clubs. So if you told tell Zlatan, well, we're aiming for top four, or you know, we're just trying to see what we can do and see how close you can get to top four, and we'll see what happens. That's unacceptable for him. So in the many ways, his mentality helped raise those around him to play to his level. And I think that's something that's helped bring a winning culture back to Milan. And they get top four. They get, they get top two. They finish second behind Inter. They have had a difficult Champions League so far, but they're off to a really good start here, right? So it's, it seems as though that, that banter error that we just mentioned should be behind Milan, which is good because I think most would agree that when Serie A is at its best, so is a club like Milan. Agreed. Um, I have a question from Imran, which is one of our co-hosts. Uh, what are your thoughts on Pioli? Because, like you mentioned earlier, he looked done and dusted at one point, right? And so suddenly he looks like a world-class coach. I think the one thing about Pioli is that I think he's a great man-manager, right? I mean, we, we, we talked so much about the, the tactics and all these sorts of things, playing you know, champagne football, right? All these sort of buzzwords that people throw around nowadays. They want to see, they want to be entertained, right? It's, it's, yes, it's a sport. Yes, there's results to be had, but people want to be entertained. And I think when you look at Stefano Pioli, what he maybe lacks um, in uh, his accolades, um, maybe, you know, some of the spells he had previously at Fiorentina and Inter weren't really that strong. I think a lot, where, at Lazio is where he had the most success. You can tell that Pioli is a man that commands respect and he, he gets the respect of his players. The players will play hard for him. And that was a, was a huge element um, to Milan you know, getting to the position they did last season. And you're starting to see that now, right? He just you know, got, got um, honored for 100 matches managing the club. And he even spoke about it. He knows that you know, some people may see this as a threat, but I hope to get 100 more. So this is a guy that really believes in himself. He believes in his way of doing things, his approach to uh, managing not only footballers, but personalities. And I think it says something that how so much he has a strong relationship with guys like Zlatan, who is tough to get along with, right? We all know his relationship with Pep and how very outspoken he can be and how much of an acquired taste he is. Big ego, yeah. Big ego, but guys like Simon Cayer, um, a lot of the younger players, right? If you're gonna see, if there's a young player that knows he's talented and isn't maybe getting the minutes that he thinks he deserves, it's really difficult sometimes to keep those young players motivated. But when I look at this roster, 
I look at a, a group of young players and some more veteran players like Olivier Giroud, who has been added to the, uh, to the squad, who really respect Pioli. They trust in the process and they believe what's going on with this club as far as the project and the culture they're trying to reestablish. Yeah, I think this year Milan looks like a more mature thing, right? Even if they're not the sharpest on the day, like maybe in the last couple of matches, they, they, found play, a, they still find a way to get the wins, right? They, uh, they play with, they play with, last year was one of those things where a lot of the best players in the squad didn't necessarily taste a lot of success prior, except for Zlatan and some of the others. But after you, you feel like you've accomplished something, of a great importance like they did getting second and being in a title race as long as they did. Now you go into this season believing that we're good enough. Like there's, we really don't have to prove it to anybody. We know we're good enough. We know we're a team that's going to be in, in the title race and you're seeing it right now, right? They can win in so many different ways, despite injuries, despite your know, positive COVID cases, despite, excuse me, the extra champions league matches. This is a team that when they take the field, They're not playing with a sort of scared um, mentality. They feel like on any given match day, they can win. And they, and they truly believe in, in what they're able to accomplish. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people, maybe a lot of Milan fans, were kind of even waiting for the team to have a slip la last season. But they, don't, they feel like they can take it all the way this year. You think they really have a shot at the title this season? I do. Listen, I'm not going to say they're, they're the, the, the favorite. I mean, obviously, as the weeks go by and the more they continue to just get results while some of these other teams like Juventus or Lazio and Inter, you know, some of the others yeah. at Inter um, you know, pick up draws or, or losses and Milan just kind of just, you know, maybe in unconvincing fashion gets victories like the Bologna game and even Torino most recently. It, it, it's one of those things where You have to be able to win ugly. You have to be able to win from unfavorable positions. And I think that's what Milan are doing right now. Mm -hmm. And the, the frightening thing, and the frightening thing is that they haven't at any point been healthy. And obviously you're not going to have a team. Every team is not going to be healthy for the entire year. But they've, their recent games without Teo Hernandez, without Brahim Diaz, you know, sometimes not even playing with a striker, playing with Daniel Maldini at the number 10 position. And they're still getting results. It's frightening to see what this team can do at full or near full health. And having said that, Matt, what are you think are the Rossoneri's strengths and weaknesses this season? I think, I think their strengths are maybe going beyond actual talent. I think there's obvious talent in this squad. You could point to many names, right? I mentioned Tayo Hernandez, Ben Acer, Ibrahimovic, Simon Kair, Timori, Calabria, you know, all the names we know, right? But I think the the unity, the togetherness, the character with this group, right? You can sense that there's a really tight-knit group here that truly believes that they can achieve a, a title feat. And those are things that, yes, when we're, when we're talking about teams that win anything, there's always those teams that, okay, yes, on paper, they should win everything, right? They should win the Champions League. We talk about PSG. We talk about all these teams that they're built to win. But for whatever reason, there's maybe friction in the changing room, big personalities, big egos. The players maybe sometimes don't see eye to eye with decisions. And those things can deter, deter a, a club from achieving their objectives. So I think those sort of intangible um, qualities that this team possesses is really something I've truly kept a close eye on uh, for the better part of the past, I would say, 12 to 18 months. 
Yeah. Uh, I have a question from Scott Monroe, uh, our host on La Magicas. Mm -hmm. Uh, and this same question about, applies to other players because he wants to know about what are your thoughts on the progression of you touched touch about it earlier on La Rafael Leao because he looks like a player who can take his game to the next level. Same can be said about Tonali. What do you attribute uh, their improvement this season? I think patience. I think, you know, from from when, when a time when a lot of these guys were brought in, right, you know, when they brought in Marco Giampaolo and that you know the, the players I thought they were they were they weren't playing to the potential they had under him, and it's taken some time under Stefano Pioli. You know some players that you've seen over the past six to twelve months, like Tonali, for instance, his first season didn't maybe go according to plan. Right, he played around thirteen hundred Serie A minutes. Uh, Kessie and Benasser was one of the better midfields in in Serie A, and uh, such a sound double pivot that it's often difficult to break into that. Right, when you know something works. But between him and Leao, you can see patience is truly a virtue. Patience is something that you have to have with young players, which is really what this project has built, been built around since since day one, right? It's it's been they shifted away from getting all these veteran players, spending heavily on the Lucas Bilias and you know Nikola Kajanic and going for players that have value now that are going to be a little raw, rough around the edges and raw, but. If you have the patience and you have the trust and you give them those opportunities to showcase what they're capable of, they'll, you'll be able to reap the benefits of that. And Leao, what we're seeing here, it's not surprising to me. And I've spoken so highly about Leao from, a, from a, a, a talent standpoint. And I think it's obvious when you see him on the field, right? Even in the game that the, the first derby against Inter last year, there's things that he can do that nobody in this squad can do. From a dribbling standpoint, from taking guys out one v one, quick, difference elusive, maker, eff yeah. difference maker, effortless dribbling by players like such a such a smooth player, and this is a player that when he was in the Sporting Lisbon Academy, I don't have the name off the top of my head, but the the, the one of the directors was saying, this is this guy's on as talented as a player if I've seen since Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, and obviously I'm not going to compare the two Ronaldo's. A legend he's a goat, right? But I think it speaks to the, the, the potential that he has in his game and how maybe short-sighted a lot of people can be, right? As a Roma fan, you know, there's been a lot of young players that come in. You've probably seen firsthand where you look and you're like, I could see something in this player. There's going to be people that are upset about how long he's taking for him to grow, but eventually he's going to pan out and he's going to be such a real difference maker. And that's what I see with guys like Leao And, and guys like Sandro Tonali is that to have just a little bit of patience. And I think with Milan's project, they're not, yes, they want to win, but they're not the Man City's, the PSG's right now, where you're putting all your eggs into one basket. You're trying to win Champions League. If you're in a, if you're in a position that Milan are in, there's a balance between, yes, you want them to grow, but you're not, you're not having to rush them because of what your objectives are. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a good segue to the next question I want to ask you because I do want to get into the Roma Milan. I think it's the match day, uh, the best match day of the weekend of uh, match day 11. Um, because you were mentioning Champions League, and Milan has an important Champions League match next week against Porto where they need to get the three points if they going or they aspire to still qualify to the next round 
Uh, do you think Pioli and company are going to have that match on their mind when they take on Roma and the Olympico on the weekend? I don't think so. I mean, I, I think this group understands that they have a job to do, that no match is going to be easy. And that's that's by that's by the good good job that Pioli's done, right? I think not thinking too far ahead, understanding that every match is going to be difficult. You know, you have to take what's in front of you. You have to live in the present. And I think that's what Milan has done a great job of, right? And I think a lot of people get too caught up in schedule watching. And it's important, obviously. I'm looking at the schedule that Milan have the next three matches. They got Roma, they have Porto, as you just mentioned, and then they got Inter before the international break. So those are three difficult matches and two, three very tricky matches at that. But I think the focus is definitely on Roma, a team that has struggled to play against the top three, four sides or five sides, can play really good football at times. You know, under Marino, they've shown very good glimpses and you know, very good potential. But you can see they're still trying to piece things together. So Milan understand that this Roma um, match is going to be difficult. They know Mourinho's a serial winner. He's a very esteemed, established coach. There's a lot of good quality in this Roma side. Tommy Abraham um, is a player that, that comes to mind. You know, he's obviously a really good striking talent. Um, and the list goes on and on and on. So I think that they're going to approach it um, in, in the same way that they do every match, right? Take what's in front of you. Let's let's go after three points and, 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 and we'll think about Porto and who's available and what the approach to that game will be. Yeah, I agree. I can take it one by one match by match, right? That's what the great teams do. You have to. You have to. Um Matt, what do you make of Roma season so far? You touched upon it a little bit. Um, what are your thoughts on Mourinho? Where do you see them finishing this season? And, and are they a Champions League? Do you see them finishing? I'm going to ask you directly. you see them finishing top four, making maybe Euro Europa League? Uh, where do you see the Yellow Rossi? You know, I, I, it's weird because I think they, they got up to a pretty good start. And I think there was this really strong belief because the, the Mourinho effect, right? That initial shot in the arm, that jolt, that, that buzz, that sort of craze around Mourinho. And that really started when he arrived, right? When, when a, a figure like a personality like Jose Mourinho arrived to the capital, the coach Roma in a quick change of events, because I don't think anybody expected that, including myself and probably you here I as well. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, right. Yeah, it, it was it was crazy. I, I thought the Roma people... account got hacked when I first saw it. Yeah, if you're looking at it, you're like, wait, Jose Mourinho? Like, really? <laughs> wow, okay. Um, especially with the way the fact that Tottenham, Tottenham are still paying a fraction of his salary, right? So you kind of you put everything together, and it's been like, wow, we got Jose Mourinho. Okay, our ambitions have to be pretty strong here. They had a good start, Tambi Abraham some of the new players um, and, and signings have you know, got off to pretty decent starts as well, but they still haven't been able to shake that sort of big game um, form, right? Or lack thereof where one match, they can look very good. And another match you're looking at them and you're like, what's missing here? Why aren't they jiving? Why isn't this group meshing? And I think those things come with time. And I think the beauty about Roma right now is that, They haven't, they've bent, but they haven't broken, right? They haven't had matches like, like Juventus, for instance, or stretches of games where they're dropping significant points. Typically, what I've seen from Roma is that if they get a draw against a team that they probably should beat, they're able to rebound and get a desired result on the wraparound. So I think that Roma are going to linger around top four. I'm not going to say that their certainty going to be booked for a top four finish. But I think if you ask any Romanista coming into the season, 
given what they saw last year, top four, yes, was an aim. But I don't think they were necessarily saying we're a shoe-in for this. There's a lot of young players. There's a lot of pieces in the squad that still have to grow and still have to find their way around. But I think it's a it's more of a it's one to two year thing where you can kind of see the way back to Roma where they were in let's say 2015 2016 where right? where honestly it was at a, for the very early part of the season it was Napoli and Roma fighting for the title and Juventus were way down there. Obviously Juventus came back. We as as the as a Milan fan as a Roma fan. You know, Inter fans, Napoli fans, we universally loathe Juventus, right? But, <laughs> right. but I think that's that's the sort of approach that you have to have with Mourinho um, and this project. Is it's going to take time? There's going to be some bumpy results, but I do think that in the end, Roma, towards the stretch run, will be in the conversation for top four. I I really do believe that because I think there hasn't been a more balanced Serie A um, in recent years than this year. I think. Yeah, I agree. It's very. We talked about it in this podcast uh, uh, for our season preview. It's a very tight area, right? And I think we're seeing we as Roma fans, we talked about how Thiago Pinto uh, did a as Roma sporting director, right? Did a phenomenal job of getting retro players on the summer. But I think coming up on the winter mercato, uh, it, it's shown the it has been shown that this team uh, needs some reinforce, reinforcement, right? Because as Mourinho said, after thirteen, fourteen players, you can see the quality. Dropping great teams have a deep squad, right? Uh, look at the Milan team, the Inter team, and coming off the bench, they have players like uh, Alexis Sanchez, right? Which is, they're getting old, but they're in the few minutes they have, they can still be difference makers. Um, Matt, uh, before we go, tell us a little bit about the state of the play pot awards that you won on 2020. Yeah, so um, just a little backstory on the podcast. We started back in July of 2018. Initially, it was supposed to be three people. My partner, Pepperisha, who's currently doing a lot of crypto media for Copa90. That's my little plug to pet. So if you're listening, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, me, and him start, me and him started the podcast. And uh, we were at a point where we were you know, going to maybe scrap it, right? Because we had one guy drop off who was very important at the time. He dropped off. We kept going. We kept putting out podcasts covering Europe's top five leagues plus Major League Soccer. And we've been able to add on to the team with Martino Puccio, who's you know, currently working with 137PM. He's doing a lot of work with The Athletic. So as a group, we've really grown um, to be a podcast that has really gotten a sort of cult audience, cult following. We're not going to have a ton of followers. You can see our account. But we have a lot of loyal listeners and a lot of people that really do value our input and our takes on football. And we were, during that, the pandemic, when football wasn't being played, we sort of had that discussion. We decided to keep rolling on with, with, with episodes every week, getting different guests, trying to stir up some sort of content because you could agree here, right? That if you have months and months and months where you're not sort of in front of people and you're not putting out content, it's they have other options. They can pivot. They can forget about you. And it's really tough to get that momentum back. Yeah. So I, I, I attest the success and the, back-to-back nominations for FCAs last year as the best new content creator, which we won gold. And this year we were nominated for best international podcast. We unfortunately didn't win, but we were one of eight finalists. So I really do attest and attribute our success to our, our listeners, our loyal listeners who continue to tune in, the great guests that we've been able to book and have on who take their time out of their day, which time is a valuable commodity. So we do appreciate that but also the momentum we were able to consistently build. So if there's anybody out there that's looking to 
create content, create a podcast. I strongly encourage you to just to keep that momentum going, keep believing in the project and good things do come your way. So I just want to thank everyone who does listen to the State of Play podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at State of Play Pod. You can subscribe to us on Apple and Spotify. Those are the main ones, but we can be listened pretty much wherever your podcast can be listened. So I, I do thank you guys for, uh, for supporting that as well. Thank you very much, uh, Matt. We'll be adding all your plugs in the show notes in the, in the description. And also, we can, you can find La Magicas on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Teacher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, and all the major podcasting platforms. Uh, Matt, thank you again for taking the time. Uh, it helps a little bit that we're, we're in the same time zone, I got to say, because yeah. in the podcasting <laughs> world, when you're in Europe and you're in America, oh, boy, podcasting is not yes. as easy as a lot of people think. Um, no, no. It's just a little story. Just a real story about that. You know, there was I, I had one time where I was doing a podcast. You wanted to book an, a guest from Australia. And <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, how can I do this? How do we make it work? But you and I would agree, right? In the podcast world, you want big guests. You want to get that sort of diversity in your in your guest list and the diversity in your content. You need to be um, accommodating. You right? have to so, be dynamic um, with your times. Absolutely. Exactly. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. We on, on my Spanish podcast. We're on a hundred and twenty. We're going to record our hundred and twenty-second episode later tonight. Where are you on the State of Play pod? We are somewhere around one, like one ten, one eleven. So we're, we're, we're about we're, the same. We're, we're, I started in same October twenty eighteen, and I'm trying to keep it weekly. You know, that's what you get. Yeah, right, right. Uh, that's phenomenal stuff. Phenomenal stuff, uh, Matt. It's been great to have you, and hopefully we'll get to do this again soon down the road. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And as always, Forza Roma. Ciao.